Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster. We're looking at the Christmas story a little different from normal. We're looking from the Gospel of John. The Christmas story in the Gospel of John. And you say, well, there's not one, but there is one. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, in John's account of the Christmas story, there's no Joseph, no Mary, no Bethlehem, no manger, no stable, no shepherds, no wise men, no star, no angels, and really not even a baby. John's focus is on the revelation of the one who came that first Christmas morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. We talked about those verses last week, but I want us to look at verse 4. In Him, in Jesus, in the Word, the Logos, the revelation, the manifestation of God, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now this word life is very important to John. He uses it over 36 times in this gospel alone. More than any other New Testament book, John uses the word life. And this word is different than he uses. He uses the word zoe. It's more than just saying that Jesus was born alive and His living was a light to other men. The word meant that Jesus Himself was life. Jesus Himself is life. So the Zoe is different. You see, most of the time when we talk about life, we talk about bios, about living, breathing life. We talk about living things. But this word life involves all of it together and expands upon it beyond our imagination. Zoe is more than just saying Jesus was alive. It's saying that He was life. Zoe defined, Thayer says, it's the very principle or essence of life. Another definition is the absolute fullness of life, both essential and ethical, the life which belongs to God. And then there was another that I got who says a unique quality of life that spans time and eternity and that has its roots in God. It is that supernatural life which includes a fullness of life which alone belongs to God, the giver of life. It's the life principle. It's the source of all life. It's a special quality of life. It's God's own kind of life. And so when... When it says that Jesus in Him was life, it's not saying He was alive, but in Him was the very essence and resource and source of God's very life. So when John says in Him was life, he's declaring that Jesus was and is and always will be life itself, the kind of life that God intended mankind to have all along. And note that it says the life was in Him. Creation and everything that was made came through Him. But life was in Him. That's important. 
Creation came through Him, but life comes in Him. Jesus wasn't just living the life. He didn't just possess life. He Himself was, is, and always has been the source of life. I'm going to keep saying it till you get it. John 5.26 says this, For the Father has life, as the Father has life in Himself, so He granted the Son to have life in Himself. Real life, supernatural life. Himself, the supernatural source of life. Why is that so important? Jesus came to restore. He was born to restore what man had lost. And it's so lost to man that we don't even know we've lost it. This life is so lost to man that what we call life is really a living death. Why is it important? When God created Adam in Genesis chapter 2 verse 6, verse 7, excuse me, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. God breathed life into Adam. And this was the kind of, Zoe life would be translated in the Hebrew, therefore what God breathed into him. He became a spiritually alive being. But he didn't stay that way. God gave man, that spiritually alive being, a choice. There were two trees in the garden. The tree of life, notice that word, the tree of life, that perpetual dependence upon the very life source of God. And there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. In other words, you want to live by your own resources. And God warned man that if he ate of that tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he would die. He would forfeit the life of God. Now, now just get a picture of this. Man, made in the very image of God, in a perfect environment, in a living relationship with his Creator, chose to take and eat the fruit of a forbidden tree because of a lie. Satan, in the form of the serpent, said that they could be like God. Independent, self-sufficient, without Anybody. Does that sound familiar? Doing your own thing. You could be your own master. They ate and they died. They lost the indwelling life of God that was in them. Not just that heart-beating life and that breathing life, but that spiritual life, that quality of life that God Himself had. Adam lost God's life. God didn't leave him. He just was no longer the life-giving source in Adam. And in Adam's life. Now Adam was breathing alive, but separate from God's quality of life. He lost it. Without God's life, Adam existed in a form of living death, decadence, and decay. Since Adam, all men have been born in Adam's image, Genesis 2.5. In Adam's likeness, separated from the Zoe of God. When you and I were born into this earth, we were born without the life, the quality, the Zoe of God. And what we called life 
was the absence of that life. 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 22 says this, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. The message says it this way, Everybody dies in Adam. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody. Ephesians chapter 2, You were born in trespasses and sin. You walked according to the lust of it. But God... That's why the revelation of Christmas is so important. And especially what we're talking about this morning. Life, life came to be born in a human being again on this earth. There was another Adam, another, a last Adam. His name was named Jesus. Life invaded earth again in the person of Jesus Christ. Now look at that verse again, John 1, 4. In Him was life, and this life was the light of men. The message says it this way, What came into existence was life, and this life was light to live by. Not by imitation. You don't get alive by imitating Jesus. You get alive by accepting Jesus' life to be in you but by a living resource, not by imitation, but by a living resource, the very life of God. And it says, this life is the light of all men, of all mankind. The word there for light is phos. Phos. So I looked it up and it means light. Well, I, you know, I expect it to mean shining, brightness. No, it means light. In Him was light. No darkness at all. That's who God was. God was light and in Him was no darkness at all. But light is the medium of illumination that makes sight possible and makes things visible. You don't see light. You see because there is light. Hear me. You don't see because you've got light. You see because there is light. And you can see what is made visible because of the light. Now, when Jesus came to be the light of men, you don't see God because you learned about Him. and You literally come to know God by seeing the light. By the light revealing Him. So when Jesus, it says, in Him was life, and this life was the light, was the medium by which man was going to see who God was. You want to know God, you're going to have to come to Jesus. He's the only medium that there is. Jesus said it this way, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In Him was life, and this life was the light of men. Jesus was life and his life was the manifestation of that revelation of life to all mankind. Now you've got to understand Jesus it says in the fullness of time God sent forth his son to be born of a woman. Jesus entered a world that was religious but not right. 
into a world that was filled with information about him, prophecies and all these things about him, but no wisdom to live by. Jesus entered a world of laws. Boy, did they have the laws. But no love. And at that point in time, they were beyond further talk. They needed demonstration. They needed light. You see, our teachings have made God out what we think He is. Jesus came to show us God as He is. He is the light. The light. You know, in the beginning was the Word. That Word was the light. That manifest, let me just say this. He showed the world what God was really like. He made God visible. He gave man the ability to see God in the flesh. Jesus is the clearest picture of God the world has ever seen. What God was really like. You know, man had said what God had said. Jesus came along and said, you've heard it said, but this is what I say to you. In other words, man had said what they thought God had said, but Jesus came and told us what God meant. Guys, have you ever gotten in trouble with your wife because you said something and she thought you meant something else? Jesus came to speak only what He heard the Father say. Jesus came to demonstrate what God meant. Not just what God said. Not only that, Jesus came to demonstrate how God was. Not just how you thought He was. He was close to sinners. He was patient. He was near to those in need. He didn't run away and say, unclean, unclean. He took the unclean and made them clean. Do you understand? Jesus came showing us an aspect of the Father that the people had no idea about and we really still don't. Isn't that a shame? Because what we do is we read about Jesus instead of letting Jesus be light that reveals how God is. You see, the light hasn't gone out. Jesus is still the light. But in a point in time, He was born. Life was born in human flesh again, and it was the light of all mankind. It illumined, it manifested the reality of God, and man was again without excuse. There's none other name under heaven whereby we must be saved but at the name of Jesus. Why? Because He's the clearest revelation of who God is and what God has done and what God expects and what God intends and what God has provided. He came to demonstrate also God's intended quality of life and make provision for all of us who would believe to walk in that same light. John 1.5 says this, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And when we think of comprehend, our English, we think of understanding. The darkness, it shone the darkness, but, but the darkness didn't comprehend, didn't understand it. That word used here actually has 
multiple meanings. Amplified says it this way, The light shines on in the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it or overpower it or appropriate it or absorb it, and is unreceptive to it. I want to say something that's very important you get. Jesus didn't just come to get us ready to die. He came to to be in us the ability to really live. That death couldn't quench. That death couldn't stop. That decay would never cease to make cease the life that we have in Him. Three things about the light. It illumines God to all men. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It shines in the context of darkness. The darker it is, the more the light shines. And the darkness can't put it out. It can't overpower it. It cannot and will not and has not overcome it. That light is alive. That light is living and it is available. Jesus didn't just come to get us ready to die. He came to, that we might have the ability to really live. John eight twelve. Now, there's multi, I had all of these verses, but we don't have time. I just challenge you, I just challenge you to, to look at the word life, and every time you look and read the Gospel of John, and look every time you say life or eternal life, aeonos, life, zoe, now that word eternal doesn't mean everlasting like it's translated in King James a lot of times. It's translated everlasting, but it means eternal. That when we think of eternity, we think of no time in the future. In other words, there's not going to be time in the future. The word eternity means it's always been perpetual life. It has neither beginning nor end. And so when, when, when Jesus is talking about eternal life, He's not talking about what will be. He's talking about what is. It's life right now. It is the essence of God. It's the principle of life that's in everything God has created and will be in everything that lives on in relationship to Him. That's a whole nother series. And look at and then circle the word light. How many times Jesus, in out of Jesus' voice in John's gospel, he talks about being the light of the world. He talks about then he's talking about you are the light of the world. He's talking about that that the light, that phos, that medium of illumination is available. But John eight twelve, Jesus spoke again to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, you know the Christmas story. How did the wise men find Jesus? We, come on, say it out loud. Now, they, they followed the light of the star. They, they, the star was still where it you know, they followed the light of the star. The light led them to the light of life. Now here's something that just, admit, I missed it for a long time. Did you know everybody could see that star? Every human being that had eyes to see could have seen the light of that star. But only the wise men followed it. Do you realize how many people in our world today believe in Jesus, the historical Jesus, believe that He lived, He died, He rose from the grave, believe all of that, 
believe all of that, but they don't follow it. They don't follow the light. The light is the medium of illumination of who God is and where He's going and what He's doing and all this. They don't follow. They follow the teaching. Do you know that sometimes teachers can be wrong? But not Jesus. In Him is light and there's no darkness at all. He who follows Him shall not walk in darkness, shall not conduct their life in darkness, but have the light of life. John 6.40 John 6.40 For this is the will of my Father, Jesus said, that everyone who beholds the Son sees the Son and believes in Him will have everlasting, eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. Everyone who beholds Him, that sees Him. Now, remember, what does light do? Light lets you see. Everyone who sees Me and believes in Me will have eternal life. Zoe, anas zoe life. And I myself will raise Him up the last day. Most of the time, we focus on being raised up the last day. But it's present tense life. The reason it's going to be raised up in the last day is because you have it now. Verse 47 in the Amplified says, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, he who believes in me, who adheres to, trusts in, relies on, and has faith in me, has now possesses eternal life. And here's the thing, and I want you to get out of this, the Christmas story out of the Gospel of John. In Him was life, and this life is the light of all men. In other words, it's not something for the future. It is something for us today. If we will see who Jesus is and believe in our heart and adhere to Him with our life in total commitment to Him, we will have that same type of life Jesus was born with, if in Living in us. We can be born into that life. That life can be born into us. We call it born again. Made new. Resurrected. Recreated. New creation. All of those things is about getting, exchanging death for life. Well, how do you get it? We enter into it by... Believing in Jesus Christ. That word believe in that context is pestuin. Pestuo is faith in the Greek, but pestuin. Believing. It's an active word. For John, belief means to be convinced and assured that Jesus is the Son of God. And also means to trust the trust of the heart that everything Jesus says then, if He's the Son of God, everything Jesus says is absolutely true and reality. And then base every action on the unshakable assurance that we can take Him at His word because it's truth. Now that's not just a mental assent. It means that we get to the place that when we see Jesus, we understand, we have, we look at him, we see what he said, we see what he did, and we have become convinced, confident, assured 
I am absolutely certain that Jesus is the Son of God. Not because of history, but because I see Him. I have studied Him. I've looked at Him. I've, I've examined it. I, I've looked at it. I don't care what, how much you want to do. But if you see Jesus for who He is, and you become convinced and assured of who He is, then you're going to believe that everything He says is true. Everything He's done is sure. Everything He's said and promised is certain. But that's still not faith yet. If I believe He's the Son of God and I believe and I'm sure that what He said is absolutely true, then I'm going to base every action of my life from now on on Him. And so He's going to be the resource and the source of my life. And the Bible says when you do that, that's real living with a capital L. I'm not believing something historical, but I'm believing Jesus. The one who died, who rose, who's coming again. I believe Him. Let me end with a story. Bob George wrote in his book, Classic Christianity, he's author and a radio host. He wrote when he was a pastor. He relates a story that one night he was jolted from sleep by the phone ringing and it was his neighbor. On the phone, she heard the, he heard the whispered words, It's Stan. He's drunk again. Please come over and talk to him. Bob climbed out of bed, got dressed and started to his neighbor's house. And in his mind, he's thinking, Stan again. What will I say to Stan that hasn't any different than what I've said to him all the other times? You see, Bob had led Stan to the Lord. Stan was 65 years old and had been an alcoholic since his college days. He had always been open to hearing about Jesus, His forgiveness, and a new way of life. And Stan had even walked an aisle of a local church and professed his personal faith in Christ. But as far as his life concerned, nothing really seemed to change. The drinking continued with all the degrading results. So as Bob walked up the door and began to knock on the door, he asked the Lord for wisdom. Stan's wife opened the door and, you know, mouthed the words, Thank you and gestured to the living room. Stan was sitting in the chair in his drunken condition with an empty expression on his face and lurching movements in his body. Bob covered the same territory that they had discussed many times before, but with no apparent progress. Suddenly, really out of nowhere, Bob asked a question he had not even thought about before. He says, Stan, when you accepted Christ, which Jesus did you believe in? And kind of looked through drunken eyes, puzzled. He said, what do you mean? Did you have in mind a good man named Jesus of Nazareth who lived 2,000 years ago, the historical man who performed miracles and eventually died on the cross? In other words, Stan, did you accept Jesus the man? Or did you accept Jesus Christ the God who became a man, who was raised from the dead? who is right now Lord and alive today. That Jesus Christ 
is the one who offers to come and live inside of you and give his very life to you. Dan was quiet and his eyes seemed to clear a little bit as he looked up at Bob. And he said very reluctantly, I received the Jesus who was a man 2,000 years ago. Then the question is, Stan, Bob said, are you willing tonight to put your full trust in the living Jesus who is life? Not just accept the fact that there was once a good man who walked the earth that you're trying to imitate, but to accept the Lord Jesus who is alive today and wants to live His life in you. Are you willing to get on your knees with me right now, Stan, and accept the living Christ who has the power to change you inside, then out? It was like a light came on in Stan's eyes. He said, yes. They knelt together and in his half-drunken state, he called out to the living Christ. Bob said when he looked into Stan's face, he saw something different. It was like a light turned on. Stan looked different. He was freed that night. That didn't mean that all of his problems went away. His drinking had cost him his job and he wasn't immediately received by the community around him. But in the midst of the trials, Stan was different. He kept trusting this living Jesus. Bob writes, years later, I visited Stan. He's now 70. And he's standing straight and tall. Stan was not only restored spiritually, but he had become the owner of a thriving business Jesus had transformed an insecure, fearful, angry man running from reality into this firm, clear-eyed, peaceful, happy man. The light of life had shown up. Let me ask you, do you believe in the historical Jesus who was born in a manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, who lived the life of power and miracles and then died on the cross? Or do you believe in the Jesus who is Himself this morning life? Living. Robbing power to exchange what you call life, which is really a living death, into His life. Do you want Jesus to be your life now that will last forever? Or do you just want Him to take care of your past and guarantee your future? Do you want Jesus? In Him is life. That life is the illumination and the manifestation to every man. How do I trust Him? Are you convinced that Jesus Christ is not dead, but He's alive and He's the living Lord Jesus? In other words, that His sacrifice was sufficient for our past, but His life is sufficient for our present and future. It's His living that saves you. Stan was delivered not because he believed some historical facts. Stan was delivered because he accepted the living life of the Lord Jesus. You see, deliverance is in Jesus, not in, in our believing. Deliverance is in the reality of who Jesus is. 
salvation, forgiveness. Everything that God has to offer us is in His Son. That's what Christmas is all about. Yes, I believe you're the Son of God. And if you're the Son of God, everything that you said is true. It's absolutely true and is itself reality. I don't care what anybody else says. What he says is true. I may not even understand it, but what he says is true. So, Lord, I'm willing to base the rest of my life getting to know you and the life you've given me. I'll spend the rest of my life getting to know the Jesus who came into me. Now, if you know Him, you've trusted Jesus, the living Lord Jesus, and you really know that you know He's the Son of God, and He's, He's really that to you, I want to give you one more verse, one last verse. It's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. If you believe you were once darkness, but now, Everybody say now. Not, not someday, but now you are light in the Lord. That light is in you. You're light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light. As children of light. If you know Jesus... You who once was darkness are light in the Lord. So let's walk in it. Let's live by it. Let's trust in it. Stand with me. Father, in the name of Jesus and for the sacrifice of your Son who came light of the world... I trust that this morning you're going to do a work in our hearts. I need it in my life again. Lord, I I need to stop thinking about tomorrow and realize the life I have today. And I need to be grateful and and, and show gratitude by my actions. Lord, I trust you. I don't trust you for my past. I trust you for my present. I trust you for for who you are, for what you're doing, what you're saying, and what you're teaching me. I, I believe you. I believe you, and I will walk with you. I I pray for everyone here this morning and everyone that's going to hear this message, that, Lord, that the light of the gospel, who is Jesus himself, would shine in the face of Jesus Christ for them, that they would come to know him as he is and will always be life. In Jesus' name, amen.
The first of all is we will be having a Christmas Eve service this Saturday from 7 to 8 p.m. Uh, we're really excited about that and hope that you'll join us for that. Also, next Sunday, Christmas Day, we will just be having one combined family service for the 9 a.m. service. So uh, don't try to go to the 1030 next week or you'll just see a sign that says you're too late. <laughs> And also just a reminder, it's not usually necessary for this service, but just want to remind everybody, we do have overflow parking behind the Golden Chick just over here uh, on the east side of the building. They've been gracious enough to say that we can always use that parking lot anytime that we need. So if the other parking lot is full, uh, you can. there's plenty of parking back there. Uh, also, Common Grounds is going to be closed this coming Friday and uh, January 30th. And then one last important announcement, starting on uh, January 8th, we're going to have another in-person Connect class. Uh, If you're new to NCC or maybe you've been coming to NCC for a long time but uh, haven't joined or would just like to know more information about the history of the church and who we are and would be interested about getting involved or volunteering, this uh, class would be perfect for you. It's a four-week class starting on January 8th, and it will go on during the 10.30 a.m. service in our uh, conference room, which is back here in this corner. Uh, And those classes are also offered online, Uh, so if you miss one of those in-person classes, you can make it up, or you can take all the classes online anytime. And if you have any questions about that, just ask myself or Pastor Daryl or any other person on the staff. Um, Also, one last thing, I'd love to to meet you and visit with you if you're new to the congregation after the service, if, if you would like to do that and have any questions, we'd be happy to answer those. God bless you, and have a great week. You're dismissed. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 